Welcome to another episode of Psyche of Sales. My name's Johnny Lee, CEO and co-founder of Enable SE. And Psyche of Sales looks into the mindset and the psyche of top salespeople and top leaders around the world. And today we're joined by Josh Kennedy, former captain and premiership winner of the Sydney Swans. Now, how is Sydney Swans related to sales? Well, leadership is one of the biggest parts of Sydney Swans, and it makes it one of the most successful professional sporting organisations around the world. The real estate on their jersey is worth more than any real estate in any sporting organisation across Australia. So how do they do it? For a country or a city that doesn't even support AFL originally. They do it because they've got the right culture, the right belief, and they embed it throughout the entire organisation. This is a truly inspiring episode where Josh explores how the blood culture started, how they've implemented, the challenge they came in embedding this across their organization, and what he's done as an individual to constantly want to get better for himself, but also his team. Now, Josh retired at the end of last year, but you can actually hear him speak throughout this in his selfless nature of handing over that captaincy and making sure the club is in a better position when he leaves. And I think it's fair to say by making the grand final last year, he certainly did his job. If you like it, if you enjoy it, please give us some feedback. Rate us, review us and share us. We want to get this message out to as many people as possible. So please help if you can. Do you mind giving us a 30 second snapshot of who you are? Uh, no worries. Um, I uh, grew up in Melbourne, a uh, family of, of uh, a lot of AFL uh, players around me, my cousins, uh, my dad and grandfather played, um, but I moved up to Sydney at the end of 2009. Uh, I've been playing AFL football for 16 years, this is my 16th year uh, as, a, as a professional athlete. Um, was fortunate enough to play in a premiership in 2012 with the Sydney Swans and uh, from 2017 to 2021 uh, captain the side too, uh, both solely and as a co-captain um, with Dane Rampey and Luke Parker. I, I want to explore that idea of being a sole captain versus a, a group captain at a moment, but you said your dad played and your grandfather played, but I think you know that's probably talking it down, isn't it? That they, they played at a pretty high level for quite a while? Yeah, well, my my, uh, my dad played in four premierships with Hawthorne Football Club, uh, and my grandfather coached three their first three Hawthorne's first three premierships, and uh, is a is a Hall of Fame legend, I think, of the AFL. Wow. Yeah. So I think in, in most people's cases, winning a premiership would be a, a great thing, and, and suddenly as a family, it doesn't look as impressive for you. No, yeah, I'm, I'm a bit behind in the uh, premiership stakes. Yeah. So you just, if you can just get four more in the next four years, I think you'll be fine. That's right, yeah, yeah, that's what we're aiming for. Beautiful. How'd you get started in it? Uh, well, you know, um, grew up in Victoria, in Melbourne. Uh, AFL footy's pretty big down there. Everyone um, at school plays it. I loved it. Obviously, uh, you know, I used to go with my dad. Um, he was assistant coach for a number of years as well to go and watch the footy, uh, but started just like anyone else in, in Auskick uh, and, and at school and, and, you know, went through, through the, the, the normal uh, pathways as every other kid would. Now, were you good immediately or did it take a while to click? How did that work for you? Uh, I was always pretty good, um, but I was never really the, the, like an absolute standout. Um, I don't think anyway, and uh, you know, even to the point I think in the 
under 16 representative side I, I missed out on. Um, uh, and yeah, so I was, I was always a good player, but um, probably not until later did I, I think I was really able to, to make it. I think and this is going to go out to a lot of executives, a lot of sales leaders and sales people, and your profession's a bit different to theirs because they start their profession in their early 20s or could be mid-20s or sometimes in their 30s, whereas, you know, as an athlete, you're starting that profession in a way at seven years old or nine years old and working your way through. Um, was there ever a moment for you where it clicked, either as an amateur and junior or as a professional where you thought, okay, now I've got it? Um... I think the moment for me was probably when I did miss out, as I mentioned, that, that under-16 representative side. Uh, it was just, and it wasn't like the end of the world or anything like that. It, football was always something fun. It was, it was never too much pressure. Uh, I placed on myself or, or any external pressure. Um, but at that moment in time, it sort of just made me sort of stop and think, okay, what is it that I need to do better to, be, to become better? Like, what, where... where Let's have a look at my game and where can I improve? How can I do that? Um, and it was probably that was the point when things changed in terms of looking at it from a just a purely enjoyment thing and yeah. to a okay, well, if this is something I want to have a crack at, then I probably need to get a bit more specific about what I need to improve on as a as a player. It's pretty mature of you as a 16-year-old to be able to think that way because, you know, we try and train and coach executives to do this all the time of, of reflecting back on what could I do better, how could I improve, but also what do I already do really well? So you keep doing that as well. So I think as a 16-year-old, it's, it's, it's good thinking. Do you, do you keep doing that now as a professional? Yeah, absolutely. I think um, even, even more so uh, as, as time goes on, I think that's the nature of... Um, you know, being a professional athlete is you're always constantly looking for, for ways to improve. Um, and, you know, every off-season comes around at the end of it. I mean, we, our whole week and season is around performance, review, preview, performance, review, preview. Uh, so you're constantly analysing yourself. Yeah, okay. Okay. Um, but that's a week-to-week basis. But I guess at the end of a season, you sort of look back and you go, okay, how was it? Where where am I going to sort of, again, focus my energy in this off-season? Where can I get an extra 1%, 2% yeah. to be better? Because there's always constant, you know, there's kids coming in every year that are trying to knock you off. And, um, you know, there's such a, a huge talent pool out there that to try and stay at the best, you've got to try and keep improving. So it's something that's... Um, yeah, that's always front of mind. Yeah, I like that idea, though, of, of, you know, performance and then review. And what was the third one? Preview. Preview. Like, so you sort of set goals, you train, you perform, and then you, re- you review it. You, yeah, brilliant. You do it or you haven't. And I suppose there's the video sessions that you do on a regular basis? Yeah, that's all, that's all part of it. Um, again, it's, it's, it just becomes sort of second nature that you, you set the goal for the week, um, as a team, you go out and, as an individual, as a team, you go out and you play and then you sit back and you go, well, did I tick off the things that I wanted to do this week? Yes or no? If yes, well done, what are we going to focus on next week? If no, why not? What, what, do, we need to, what do we need to change? What perhaps in my preparation of, did I do wrong or was it a mindset? And let's attack it again for next week. 
It's interesting, years ago I ran a, a sales team and they had a, a pretty distinct presentation that they would use on a regular basis. And I used to get them because they were too big a team for me to spend every week with them going through their presentation. Um, I had video cameras in the different offices and they had to film their presentation every week. Yeah. And we would keep uh, always their best ever sales weeks. We'd keep videos of that. And then we'd keep potentially ones that they'd had a few struggles and, and things that they'd overcome. And, and what we found is if they were ever doing two or three poor weeks in a row, we'd get them to just watch what it was like when they were on. Yeah. And it was interesting that it, it wasn't something huge they were doing differently. It might have just been their energy. It yeah. might have just been their mindset. Yeah, but you could pick it up instantly on the video within a few minutes of that. Yeah. And so that idea of reviewing, it's probably not something I think done enough in the corporate space. You know, we have our sales meeting and things like that, but, but often we're talking about what are we going to do next week? But are we ever checking in on did we actually do what we said we were going to do? Yeah, yeah, I agree. And uh, in the time I've spent um, in the corporate space, uh, over my career, it's that, and the, the, probably the biggest difference is just the constant feedback that you're given as a professional athlete. Um, from you know, there's so many different avenues from you know analytics around your GPS, how far you've ran, how fast, comparatively to previous weeks. But yeah, just that idea of reviewing constantly yeah. on, of what you've done and that feedback from your your teammates or in corporate world, your co-workers or, yeah. or your boss is in your coach. Um, and constantly understanding where you stand and what you know, what what's expected from you. Do you think as well? And I'm probably assuming a bit here because you're getting so much feedback as an athlete, you don't take it as personally. Whereas I think a lot of our clients in the corporate space, they take feedback on as though it's them personally as opposed to their performance, what they're doing, and so therefore there's a reluctance to be providing that that ongoing feedback and regular feedback. Yeah, I think. Um, I mean, it's hard not to take it personally, even as a professional athlete, but in terms of how you, you uh, frame it with regards to you know, people think of feedback as, oh, shit, you know, I'm, what am I doing wrong? Yeah. You know, maybe they're, they're not liking what I'm doing, but uh, how you frame it in terms of, look, this is just part of the process for us to get better, for you to get better and us, us to get better, and we're doing this because... As a team, we want to be better and we want you to get the best out of yourself. And if I'm not giving you the feedback as a player, as a teammate, um, and I'll just sort of let you go through the motions, then I'm doing you a disservice because it comes halfway through the season and you're getting dropped or you're not getting a game and you don't know why. You want to know why. Yeah. Um, so, you know, if I've had a bad game, I certainly take it personally. Yeah, okay. But the feedback is there... It's or the, the, the review process or, or the criticism is is not personal because it's everyone wants the same outcome as for me to be better and thus the team to be better. In another masterclass, we, we interviewed a gentleman by the name of Mike Wilson and he runs a charity called JDRF, uh, Order of Australia Medal. And he talked about in his career this, this shift and he's been a CEO for a number of years, but it was actually one of his team members who doesn't report to him, who was at a two or three levels below, who came in one day and said... Mike, do you mind if I give you some feedback? Oh, said, really? The way you delivered this uh, made me and others feel a certain way. Yeah. And I think you could do it differently. And he said that it was a bit of an aha moment for him because one, that someone was brave enough to come in and provide that feedback and how much he learned from it. And he says he made some significant shifts, but he gives more feedback as a result, but he asks for more feedback as a result. And I thought that was a, uh, a pretty good learning. I, I'm fortunate because I've got some people... Uh, 
I work with who love giving me feedback on a regular basis, so I'm uh, constantly being told what I'm doing uh, well, but also some areas yeah. I need to improve as well. And, and, and you're right, it is challenging not to take things personally, especially if you're competitive. Um, yep. But it's also going to be challenging to ever get better if you're Correct. not understanding how you can get better. Yep. Um, so I think there, there's got to be some onus on accepting feedback well, but I think, as you said, the people providing the feedback must be able to do it in a way as well that, that's, I hate the word constructive, but you know, it, it's framed on the action, the impression, yep. rather than you know, you're doing this, so to speak. Yep. Yeah. 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 Again, I, I think it just comes back to the, your relationship with the, the feedback and how you perceive it in your mind, whether it's constructive or, or negative. And it, I think to, the idea of a, of a business or a team is to create the environment where the feedback is not necessarily looked upon as a negative thing. It's just, yeah. it is what we do and it's for all of us to get better. And, you know, it, it's actually, you prefer to know where you stand yeah. or know things that you're doing well and things that you can improve on, rather than just sort of float through and, you know, come the end of this season or even the end of your career and it's just gone like that and you, you, you couldn't do anything about it. So I, I'm gonna pause this and we will touch on it soon, but this idea of a makeup of a team, I, I really, you know, we've had conversations before about this and it's something I'm genuinely interested in. I think what you've got to share is gonna be phenomenal, but I. I want to touch on two things first. One is you've mentioned your corporate executive career and, and so you've spent a bit of time and, and gone into different corporations. Do you want to give us a quick update on, on what you've been doing the last few years? Uh, the last few years, um, well, the last few years have been a, been a bit difficult given the, uh, yes, the COVID situation, uh, been a bit of a write-off, but I've had uh, the fortunate um, experience to be able to uh, spend time with with different companies and and um, you know recently or the last five years uh, one in particular Wilson Asset Management uh, who have had the benefit of you know being mentored by some great people there uh, Chris Stott when he was there uh, Oscar Oberg Oscar Ober, Kate uh, Thorley and Jeff Wilson obviously um, spent a bit of time with a, a startup digital bank uh, called Vault Bank which. Okay. Uh, Hopefully launching pretty soon to the to the broader market, but uh, it's, it was an amazing journey to see them sort of. I think my first day was when they get they got their restricted banking license, the first oh, wow. um, first sort of startup bank since since uh, the eighties um, to to get that uh, and see their journey go from from startup and thirty people working to now over a hundred and and uh, you know there's still a lot of challenges, but. It's um, see their vision sort of come to reality. Uh, and, you know, a few other bits and pieces along the way, but they're probably the two, the two main ones over the, over the last few years. So great to hear you've been doing that. I'm curious, what's the driver behind it? You don't have to obviously work. You're getting paid to be an athlete. You, you work pretty hard from what I've seen of your schedule. So, so, so what was the driver behind wanting to get that work experience? Uh, well... Number one is that I'm an athlete. You know, it's a, it's a finite amount of time that I can I can do what I am doing. You're not going to play forever. I can't play forever. Okay. Forever, unfortunately. Uh, you know, it's not like over the, in the states or in, in Europe, the, the soccer leagues where yes. you're getting paid um, multiple multiple millions of dollars. Uh, so, so you don't have a private jet yet. Coming no, out no, no, here. that's right. Yeah, not not Cristiano Ronaldo, but okay. uh, yeah. So that you know, that's something that. As a professional athlete in in Australia, um, with all of the sports and specifically AFL, and something that was 
drummed into me pretty early was just make sure you've got something outside of football that you're interested in. It takes my mind off it, um, adds a bit of balance to my life. And uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's also something that, you know, I've, I, you have to think about is that my career's gonna end at some point. I'm, I'm 33, 34 this year. Um, certainly coming towards the back end. You know, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna be retired now and be able to sail into the sunset and then do something else. I think, it, and I'm fortunate in my role that I get to meet a lot of successful people. And I think, you know, you're probably, when you were doing that, at the peak of your earning power, you know, within AFL. And just the foresight to think about it six or seven years ago, not towards the end of your career. Like, I understand people often do it at 30, 31, 32, but for you to do that in your mid-20s and late-20s, I think it's a, a lot of foresight. And I think I see it in people who are top performers. There's a level of intent about things that they do. You're like there's always this idea of intention, thought. You almost the way they walk, the way they speak, the yeah. way they think is about it. And I think it that's what I've taken from you with that corporate space. It's a level of intent about, you know, where you want to go, what you want to do and, and what life could look like over the long term. Yeah, I, I, I've been pretty fortunate as well with my support network, family and friends. As, as I said, it's something that's always been um, drummed into me, even when I was at school, yeah. you know, making sure that that was number one priority and... Um, you know, because you just don't know, you know, not many, I don't know what the percentage of players that get drafted and then play a game, it wouldn't be very high. Uh, so make sure you've always got something to, to fall back on. So, so let's quickly go back to then from a professional standpoint. You got drafted straight out of school? Yes. Yep. yep. And you went straight to Hawthorne because of, is it the father-son rule? I went, yeah, so I got drafted sort of halfway through my final year of school um, and... Yeah, to Hawthorne through the father-son rule. So that was, you know, I was pretty fortunate in the fact that I knew that I was getting drafted. I knew where I was going. Um, I was staying in Victoria with the family. Um, and, yeah, it was, a, it was a great experience. Uh, so uh, Hawthorne at the time had, you know, they were on the, on the rise. Uh, Alistair Clarkson at the helm. Um, they won their first premiership under him in 2008. My first year was 2007. Um, so I was there for 2007, 8, 9, three years. Uh, played 13 games. I think I didn't play any my first year, three in my second and ten in my last. Okay. Um, but at the time, they just had a lot of players that were at the peak of their powers um, in my position. So opportunities were, were fleeting. Uh, and at the end of 2009, Sydney... Swans, um, which was a bit of a surprise, uh, came knocking on the door and said, you know, we'd, we'd be interested to potentially get you up to Sydney. What do you think? Um, I said, told Alistair Clarkson this and he sort of stamped, gave me the blessing and, okay. and said, yeah, look, I think it's a good opportunity. You'd be silly not to take it. Uh, so I took it. I think that what I was hoping to derive from this anyway, and I hope people get this, is that You've played, I think we said before, 287 games now. Yeah. And 13 in your first three years. Yep. And I think when you hear someone playing, you know, close to 300, which is a big mark, you just expect it clicked early, right? And suddenly they were playing AFL from the first game and, and didn't stop. But, but for three years, you really had to apply your craft and get better and better and, and before it you know, fully clicked in that opportunity came. Yeah, I mean, I, yeah, halfway through 2009, um, I was... You know, I'm sort of thinking, geez, what am I going to do next year? Because I'm this this whole 
career path of AFL football is probably going to come to an end. Um, so, you know, what I've learned through that experience was how quickly, number one, things can change yeah. and how much, I guess, because when I got to the Hawthorne, and I think the people would attest that were there that I was doing everything right, yeah. uh, everything that was expected of me and, and um, you know, I was just doing everything that was expected, but probably, uh, you know, when I went to Sydney, it was like, right, oh, well, I've got this opportunity now, a new one. I want to, I'm going to do everything right, but I want to do it. I want to be really specific about myself and be a little bit selfish initially in terms of what do I need to do to, to play here and get a game. And I want to be knocking on the coach's door and I want to be seeking that feedback constantly yeah. so that, um, you know, that's the other thing with feedback is that if you're constantly asking for feedback from, from a boss or, or, or a coach, it's that sort of squeaky door mentality that gets fixed. He's, well, he's, they're constantly giving it to you. Yeah. You're sort of annoying them in a way, but they're like, well, this, this kid just wants to get better. They want to, they want to learn, they want to get better, and, and um, ended up being a self-fulfilling prophecy in the end. I, I want to hijack this because <laughs> this idea of feedback, you've got to, as you said, you've got to want it and ask for it. And I think if someone's difficult to give feedback with to then you're reluctant to continue to give them feedback. Yeah. Uh, I've done coaching sessions with someone where literally it feels like you're interrogating them by asking them, tell me a bit about your role. Mm-hmm. And, and so, so a simple question like that, but they, they're so nervous about getting some form of feedback or someone seeing in. So I think that's really positive, but I'm going to relate it to conversations I have with salespeople, either early in their career when they want promotions or even leaders who see themselves better, and so often they want to tell everyone how good they are and what they've done, as opposed to this idea of, I'd love an opportunity. How do I get better? What do you need to see from me? How could I do this? Can you come watch? You know, it's that idea of, yep. you know, how do we actually take this desire and intent and improve yourself, as opposed to how does the organisation prove to me that they can you know, do something for me? Does, does that make sense? What I'm getting? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And it sounds like you did that. You were able to actually drive that how do I help get the organisation selfishly to make me better? And therefore, that's going to help the team. Yeah, yeah. And, and I'm under no illusion either. There's an element of luck and, uh, you know, sometimes it, all it is as well is just that the, the opportunity. Yeah. You know, Sydney gave me the opportunity. You know, I remember Paul Roos coming to my house before the trade went through after the season. But um, when I first heard that, that Swans were interested, sat down there at the kitchen table and, and you know, basically telling me, Josh, you know, if you come to Sydney, we see a spot for you and it, it'd be yours to lose. So we're going to play you and you either play your way into the team or you, play, you, you keep your spot or you play your way out, meaning, you know, it's there, it's yours and we'll give you the opportunity, we'll back you in and then it's up to you whether or not you, you, you hold on to it. So, um, powerful, you know, isn't that it? is powerful, yeah. The confidence that gave me and... and and yeah, and, and, and the drive to be able to go, everything I did from then on, I knew, well, I'm gonna, this is gonna, you know, if I get a little bit faster, if I get a little bit fitter, if I get a little bit stronger, it's, it's gonna translate into, you know, me being able to be, perform better and, yeah. and, and it's gonna be seen and, and recognised. I, I find that interesting because I, I had a mentor and it's an old saying and it, it said that, uh, Luck is where preparedness meets opportunity. 
And I think your example is so perfect for that because you needed the opportunity and you were starting to doubt whether or not you were ever going to get that opportunity. But the work you'd done in the three years leading up to it, you know, that you were trying to get fitter, stronger, faster, every aspect to it allowed you to be prepared for the opportunity when you got it, as opposed to head down, kicking stones, cutting corners. When you got that opportunity, you probably wouldn't have been ready to play. Correct. Yeah, yeah. And it came down to internal belief too. So I I played the back end of 2009 um, because Hawthorne had a fair few injuries and I just, that gave me the confidence to know that I could compete at at the AFL level. Um, So from then it was all systems go. And and it's such a good way of thinking of, you know, 13 and three, you get the opportunity, 287 games. You're now, is it the, the leader in history of contested possessions? Yeah, I am currently, as of the weekend. <laughs> as of the weekend? Okay. So that extra contested possession went in your favour, is that right? Yes. Uh, but, you know, we're talking about legends of the game, and I'm not doing this to, to embarrass you, but I think you mentioned uh, Patrick Dangerfield's there, Gary Ablett Jr., you know, is up there with that as well. And, again, I, I'm more saying this for that idea of the people watching, that idea of betterment, that constantly wanting to get better, that reviewing, that performing, you know, uh, yeah. you know, it's that idea of continually wanting to improve and get better. And it's something that we talk about a lot here at Enable IQ is that just constant getting better, get yeah. better, get better, keep improving. Yeah, so I think with, you know, certainly with me over the course of my career, and I, I think it'd be the same for a lot of people, I don't think it's everyone, and I think it'd be the same with, you know, high-level executives as well, is that there's also that, that, there's that constant sort of, element of, of um, it's like an anxiety that you just, you, you, you know that, you know, I've seen it, the benefit of how quickly things can turn in a positive sense yeah. through my own personal um, development, but through other people's as well, how much it can turn the other way too, yeah. you know, and in, in work and, and, and certainly in sport, you know, you get a little bit ahead of yourself and bang it, it's just, we call it the great leveller. It'll yeah. just bring you back down to earth really quickly. And so, again, it's same with the feedback, same with everything. It's just that how you, your relationship with that, because it can, it can eat away at you. Like it's, it's, it's one of those things that's hard to explain to people because the jobs on a whole, is, it's great. It's yeah. great because, you know, you get eight weeks off, 10 weeks off a year, yeah. you know, your time off during the week. Like it's, from the outside looking in, it's 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 the best job in the world, which it is. Yeah. But the part that I find hard to explain is that that just that constant yeah. where you're all constantly thinking about it in the back of your mind that if I eat this or I, I take this shortcut, it's going to come back to bite me. So um, yeah, that's something that I think I've just it's ingrained in me. Yeah. But it's also helped me again. My relationship with it is that it's that's a good thing because it's helped me stay on edge and helped me wanting to be better and understand that I've got to keep trying to improve, otherwise I'm, I'm going backwards. I like that. Um, when I was younger, I had a, uh, used to have all these affirmations on the wall and I read this, it was a really crude one. I think it was an ex-triathlete, but it was a business book I read and it said, um, uh, while you're sleeping, someone out there is training, improving uh, while you're sleeping. And they said, when you meet them, they will beat you. And <laughs> yeah, I, just love that. That. I just love that terminology of they'll beat you. It's just so <laughs> to the point. And apart from I'm getting a bit disappointed in your eight to 10 weeks holiday, because now I'm in startup mode, holidays are a thing yeah, of the yeah, past. Yeah. But we work in a really competitive environment, yeah. but we truly believe that we're 
the best offering in what we do. But it's not about believing it yourself, it's about getting others to believe it. And I suppose in your business it's the same, isn't it? You can have confidence in you as a player, but you need your teammates and you need your coaches and you need probably the media as well to to believe in you as well. Yeah, I mean, uh, inevitably, the media, you take that away away from it. Yeah, you need, number one, yourself, and then your teammates. And, you know, the the art of a good culture, I think, is, is if you know what's required of you to earn that trust and respect from your teammates. If you're doing that, yeah. then you, you've got it. Whereas if you're going into a footy club and you sort of, you don't know what that is, then then I reckon that that's where it can break down a fair bit. But um, yeah, and, and there's a lot of those, you know, that saying, I've, I've definitely heard that saying as yeah. well, you know, it's, it, that's pretty extreme. So, you know, so, you can't train all the time. No, But no. you've got to, it's just that you know what you need to do. Yeah. I know what I need to do. I know I'm, I'm every year, every preseason, I'm looking to improve. Yeah. Every season, I'm looking to improve in some way. It might just be, I might need to, you know, in previous season, might be, I might need to lose a kilo just to be able to cover the ground. A bit I was going to say something. Or I might need to, I want to just work on my explosiveness. I want to be a yeah. bit quicker. And I might not be get quicker, but I might just maintain my speed, you know? It might yeah. be something like that that you're just focusing on to... to I think what I'm driving towards is, is because you train so much to play, that ratio, right, where you yeah. train five, six days a week and you yeah. play once, yeah. you play 25, 30 games a year, ideally, if you're you know, yeah. playing semis and so on, but you train so much to be able to perform, yeah. whereas in exec mode, you're playing all the time. And what we're trying to do when we talk about this idea of betterment is that if you could put a percentage of your time aside to be improving, a percentage of your time, whether it be through coaching, whether it be through role play, whether it be through learning, and obviously we're a bit biased because we have a learning platform that we expect people to use and think it's going to improve them. But I think you need to take that from this is that, you know, you've got a 30-year career ahead of you in the corporate world. Are you any better 20 years in than you were 10? Are you any better 25 years than you were 15? In a lot of cases, and in some cases, they're not. They haven't done anything apart from be more experienced, so to speak, yeah. because they haven't taken on feedback or they haven't asked for it and they haven't sought out how to get better and improve. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I mean, for, if it was me personally, the experience factor is, is the best form of, of learning. Yeah. Only, though, if during that time, because... Yeah, you know, during that time you sort of, you are able to review, you're able to sit back and just go, okay, well, how did that week go? How did that meeting go? Like we do it in a, in a, as a leadership group, you go, well, how was training this week? And to be able to better yourself, you have to actually take learnings from those experiences. So if you just go through those experiences, you don't actually reflect on them and take the time to sit back and go, well, what did we do well? What got us through? What can we do better next time? Then yeah, you're right. You're sort of just going through the motions, and and uh, you probably make the same mistakes again. And I guess for us, it's a constant thing because, and we have to again, the footy season it just becomes such a, a uh, it's so monotonous in terms of it's you play, you recover, you train, you prepare, you play, you recover, you train, you prepare. You, play, you know, five weeks go by and you, like that. Yeah. And I'm sure it's the same same anywhere, um, but you do have to be diligent in being able to take the time to reflect and go, okay, how was, as a leadership group, we have to, how was training this week? Was our energy up? Did we do what we needed to do? Uh, what have we let slip in terms of, you know, some drills or some 
some team thematics that we, we haven't spoken about in a few weeks and, and bang, it's, it's come back to bite us on the weekend. Uh, and being able to take the time to reflect and review your own performance and that of the team, I think is the most important thing to be able to then take the learnings and that's where the experience actually matters, I reckon. Yeah, okay. So again, for, for the people watching who run teams, I think it's critical that they're taking what great sporting teams and professional organisations use and how do we make sure we're constantly reviewing as a group, as a team, but also individually so they can keep improving. I get this feeling, though, the idea of not wanting to improve wouldn't work within your culture anyway at the Swans. And so we might use this as a bit of a segue. You were a player for a number of years and then you became captain. Yep. Uh, tell me how that changed for you and, and potentially, you know, you were part of two different cultures within the Swans and, and how that shifted. Uh, in terms of two different cultures? Well, oh, I, I suppose when I say cultures, that's probably a bit harsh. I mean more that idea of you made a decision as a group at some point to be able to build, or maybe you didn't, sorry, but, but the, the group decided to build a particular culture and the players really took ownership of that. And, and I think that... Um, I found it fascinating yeah. and when we had a conversation around it I took a whole bunch of notes off the back of it and, and really I'd love people to be able to hear and see what that experience was like. Yeah, well I, the, I guess the change in, in culture was happened before I arrived to the Swans uh, in 2003 um, where they, they decided that or they developed this sort of Bloods culture, they developed a trademark that was run and, and driven purely by the, the playing group, supported by the coaches, supported by the board, supported by everyone within the club, which yeah. is really important, yeah. but it was driven by the playing group. Um, and that still is going on today. And I think you know that group of players would be really proud coming back into the footy club and seeing it still vibrant and alive. And, and, and uh, you know, that, you know, when I came to the Swans, one thing that um, was different to when I got to the Hawks uh, was this um, sort of sense of induction. So when I got to the Hawks, and, you know, they've been a, an amazing club. They're a fantastic club. They've got a winning culture. They're great. But um, I sort of came in, just went about my business, doing trying to do everything that I could right. Um, but when I got to the Swans, it, I immediately felt like I was sort of back in playing for my school footy team and the fact that it was, yeah. it was uh, you know, that sort of real team cohesiveness. Well, you know, we had an induction night uh, when I first got there, which was run by the players. It was really special, um, something that I really look forward to and enjoy doing as a, as a leader, as a captain now. Um, and that sort of sense of, okay, well, you're here, you're one of us now, you're one of us, yeah. and this is what we require from you as a, as, a, as a person, not as a player, but as a person in how you go about the things, and if you do that, you're gonna, have a, you're gonna be here for a while, and you're gonna earn the respect of everyone else around you. Yeah, so this, that idea of um, how do you maintain the culture, you know, one thing is, yep, we have the induction night, you know, these are behaviours that are required, you know, these, you can either behave your way in or behave your way out. A bit like what Rosie said, you've got you, this is your spot, it's yours to lose. This is your, this is your team, you're in here, it's yours to lose. We're not gonna, um, you know, you're one of us, yeah. but you can easily behave your way out if you don't, if you don't uh, abide or follow the values that we, we believe are, are, are essential to be a I actually love that terminology, behave your way out. Yeah. It's such a good way of putting it, isn't it? And 
so you know that that's all great and said and done and then you leave the the induction you're feeling great and you're feeling how good's this um and but to be able to actually maintain it the the most important thing is then that the leadership group uh drive those standards so uh from then on it's it's okay well if someone's late for training uh if someone's missed something that they needed to do where uh, we're going to go down to Maroubra Beach and do a 6am and do a punishment session. Called a, let me call it the knuckle session, punishment session. Yeah. And uh, and um, I remember the first one we did, uh, I went down to Maroubra at 6am because um, someone might, might have been late for training or missed something. Um, so the whole team goes so, down. So one player misses One player it. misses. And then the uh, leadership group decides. Yeah, this isn't during the pre-season. Then we're like, right, no. Nah. Bang, we've got to get on top of that quick. One in, all in. Uh, let's go down. We're down there and we're down on doing push-ups um, down at Maroubra Beach on the concrete. There's push-ups to, onto, your, onto your knuckles. Yeah. And then hand, palms, knuckles, they call it palms, knuckles. And they do three rounds. By the end of it, everyone's knuckles have got um, calluses built up. They're, most of them bleeding. Everyone's yeah. in like... In pain. Imagine the media saying that all the Swans players have been in yeah. fights lately. They've just yeah, said, yeah, yeah that's right. that's are bleeding. Um, yeah, but I remember leaving that first one uh, and and uh, thinking, yeah, how good's that? Like, yeah. just I, I actually enjoyed it. I don't know why, but I remember speaking to Dad and going, oh, someone missed that. So we're all down there and boys were calling out and everyone's sort of encouraging everyone to, you know, keep at it, keep at it, you know, push through. Uh, so you know that's again that that coming circling back to maintaining it's just all about uh, being critical and hard on on behaviours that are not aligned with the values, but fair. Yeah. But also the flip side of that is it's not just all about whacking guys with a stick if they do it wrong. It's also rewarding the the behaviour that do align with it and and putting that up in lights and celebrating and and acknowledging growth. You know. Um, and I think in an organisation that's just as important too is if someone's doing a great job, just acknowledging it. Yeah. Um, and I think, you know, you can certainly take it for granted. Um, once you're into the, the swing of things and the, the, the weeks are going by and yeah, people are just ticking it off and, and, and doing, their, doing their job and they're doing it well and you just sort of take it for granted that's how it's meant to be. But um, it, it, it seems as though the group takes full ownership of the process. You know, it's, it's that idea, we often use that term, trust the process. Like the, the result will take care of itself if you do everything else right. But, but just that example means the group itself is saying that we're going to take ownership of the process. That if we're letting, cutting corners, we know that the result's not going to get a, you know, the, the optimal yes. outcome. So therefore we need to make sure that the process is done right. Yes. And again, I just think of what a powerful example to teams out there yeah. that, you know, you don't have to be at Maroubra Beach doing um, palms and knuckles, although it's be pretty good for the team. But, but, at the, um, but, but it is that idea of, well, what do we stand for? And if we truly stand for it, why are these standards getting dropped? That's exactly right, yeah. And it does, it's not to say that standards don't drop, because they, they do. I mean, you know, there's times where... But that's, I guess that comes back to the point of just having to be able to take a step back in certain times and just go, how are we going? You know, what's, how's, how's training been? How's, who are the players at the moment that deserve 
you know, who is going really well, and we need to we need to acknowledge that they're going really well, and they're they're doing everything right, and they should be, you know, we want to put them up in lights and, and celebrate what they've done, and who's probably a bit at risk at the moment, who's you know, just that time, and it's it's not easy. Well, certainly what I've learned from a leadership point of view as captain is that it's it's, it's certainly not easy. It's it's bloody hard, and it's it's not hard in the fact that um, that. Uh, what you have to do isn't necessarily hard, you have to do more, but it's just that you have to be constantly thinking big picture yeah. and um, and outside yourself. And uh, yeah, and and I think reflecting on, on things and within the, you know, your leadership team or your team, um, just constantly reflecting and going, what, what can we do better? What, what's worked well? Who's been doing well? Who needs a little bit of feedback? Um, and yeah. So, so let's quantify some of this. What, what are some of the leadership learnings that you could you could touch on? Uh, well, I think when I um, first took over as captain, I, I uh, had these four players who sort of encapsulated all the aspects of leadership that I wanted to aspire to. Um, they were, you know, Brett Kirk, Adam Goods, Reece Shaw, who wasn't a captain but he was a leader, and um, and uh, Joe McVay. So Kirky was someone that was just so passionate, still is, he still works at the club, but extremely passionate, you know. You gotta, you know, spread the love was his thing, you know. Um, loved his teammates, was passionate when he spoke. Um, the Bloods, you know, it was his, his, his footy club. Um, Goodsy was someone that had every right to sort of put himself on a pedestal, uh, Put himself first at times, but but never did. It was always team, team, team. So in terms of him, it was just no ego. You know, if the team's going well, the team's going well. Okay. If it, if the team's going poorly, it's on it's it's on us. Okay. But so that that idea with with Goodsy, with Reeshaw, it was that relationship piece. Um, he was someone that just could connect to everyone, whether it was the CEO, the most the 300 game players, or the people that have just walked in, into the footy club could just connect on their level and immediately have built a relationship where he could communicate with them. Um, and then Jared McVeigh was someone that was just hard. He was just black and white, bang. You know, you, there comes a time where that, no, nah, this is not on, bang, let's yeah. come down hard on, on this person. You're not, at the moment, with, I don't think you're, I think you're selfish, I think this, he, was, he would, wouldn't hold back in, in okay. calling that out. Um, but what I quickly learnt was that, uh, you know, I, I definitely couldn't be all of those things. Yeah. And I think I tried to be early days, um, but uh, I, I couldn't be. And so, you know, in terms of the key learnings, it was, for me, it was number one, who, understand who I am yeah. uh, and the assets that I had as a, as a, as a leader, um, as a player, uh, understand where my flaws were and in understanding that, then it became, I could, you know, us help the, the leadership group and the, the people around me that I knew were, if it was a relationship thing, um, I knew that Dane Rampey was someone that, you know, similar to Reece Shaw that could connect with anyone and just had a deep relationship. So I go, mate, you know, can you get to this player? And just understanding your strengths and weaknesses and then being able to surround yourself with people that either that complement you. Um, was something that I reckon I've learned along the journey. Uh, I think that 
that uh, that tough love piece as well. Like it's it's really hard to, especially in a team environment where um, I found it really hard to to be hard on on people. Um, but again, that came with um, building the expectations early. So when players come in and in an induction, building their expectations of this is what it is, this is what we do, and this is how we do it, and this is why we do it. It's not, it's it's to make you better, it's to make us better. Inevitably, everyone's going to be better for it. If, if and if you frame it right, they'd almost expect it, wouldn't they? You know, like if, yeah. if they're cutting a corner, they're expecting to be picked up on it because you were told them up front. Yes. And so I would assume that by the third or fourth time you've given that feedback, yeah. you know, they know pretty clearly it's coming. Yeah, that's right. And it's important as well to, in that environment to hold yourselves accountable. So first and foremost, there's no point in a first-year kid that's come in that's, you know, lacks a bit of intensity or something just going after him. Yeah. You need to be able to put myself on the, on the chopping block, not, you know, being if I'm, because I'm certainly not perfect. Everyone in the, in the team makes mistakes and just making sure that we're, they see that it's, it's normal for myself to give Dane Rampey or Luke Parker feedback or Kieran Jack and, or, and vice versa to me and then it's, we don't walk out of the room, um, the team meeting after that, hating each other and we can shake hands, we can train and we can, you know, yeah. we're still mates. Yeah, that's right. We often get asked or, or get given feedback on leaders or a, a group before we work with them and we always say we, it's okay, well, We'll make up our own minds. Like we don't want your opinion on what we think, yeah. and we, we often hear this terminology of, uh, "Yeah, Josh, he doesn't take feedback well." And we always ask the question first: well, How do you deliver the feedback? Yeah. Like actually, some ownership of how we're providing feedback, because if you do it the wrong way, you will get a poor reaction. Yeah. Right. And so again, it sounds like you you frame these conversations really well up front. You pick people up on things regularly, so it's not one off. Uh, but then you've got that openness post that conversation where, again, you're shaking hands, you're still having conversations. It's, it's nothing personal, and it's the work you do kind of leading, during, and post yep. as opposed to perfecting the one bit of feedback. Absolutely, yep, yep. The one bit of feedback's almost the... If you can... that Like, the work pre yep. makes that easier, and then the post makes it... Mm, almost ingrains it. And that's more important than when the follow-up post the feedback. If you just tell someone, mate, yeah, I don't think you're training hard enough. I think your standards aren't high enough. I think you've got a lot more to give and just walk away and don't speak to that person again, then that's when it breaks down. You need to then be able to follow it up. Two days time, three days time, mate, how's it, you know, how do you, I think I've noticed an improvement. You know, that should be the benchmark. See if you can keep it at that level. I've noticed it two, three weeks go by, it's still there. Um, and the players' form's gone up, bam, that's, that's gold because you, for the rest of the team too, you go, well, look, you know, so-and-so's had this feedback, they've implemented this plan and they haven't just done it for one or two days or one week or two weeks, they've done it every day or every week for three, four weeks and they're just seeing the reward now. But it's through an, an, a certain amount of, of work that's been put behind the scenes. That, um, so, so I really love that idea of, you were trying to be everything. And just hearing you speak to that, I think of a number of leaders that we work with who, who would probably get a lot from that, but just me personally as well. And I think what often holds corporates back, if, if I say our executives, is this 
ego is maybe too harsh a term, but it's, it's almost this competitive environment. So the idea of getting somebody else to come in and deal with a certain task within your team or potentially a senior person within if, if they're great at something. You know, it, it's that idea of it's, it's not done as often within a corporate environment, whereas I believe that if it can work in professional sport where you're on actual time-based contracts, yeah. it can work in a corporate environment. Is that fair? In terms of the... I, I suppose the... bringing others in from a leadership position to be able to do things that you're not necessarily strong at or don't have time to, you, know, you believe they could do it better than you. Um, yeah, I, I think, uh, I mean, for us, it's, it's the, what's the end goal? It's to win a premiership, you know, that's, it's so clear. Um, and there's, I don't want to be a, I prefer to be a, not even a leader of a team that wins a premiership rather than the captain of a team that doesn't make finals every year. Yeah, okay. So, you know, what's, for, for, there's, there's no better culture than a winning culture in business, in, in anything. Well, you're clear on the outcome you're looking to achieve. Yes. Like, there's no grey, is there? It's no. we, We're here to win a premiership. Correct. And I suppose what I'm getting at, to be clearer with it, is you as a captain don't see your position being lessened by bringing leaders in to do things you're not strong at. No. Whereas, yeah. often in the corporate space, we often see leaders reluctant to bring others in because it might question their leadership. And I think that's the bit that I'm taking from it that we could potentially get others to learn from is this that idea of you actually, you know, heighten yourself and grow yourself by bringing in other leaders to be able to do aspects, that, you know, that awareness piece. Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, to, to answer that question more directly is, um, you know, as a, as a leadership group or as a captain or as a leadership group, you know, our role is to, number one, live and breathe the standards, to drive them, you know, reward the good behaviours and 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 uh, try and you know be hard on the on the on the uh, behaviours that don't align with the the culture, but also uh, and a big part of it is to develop the next batch of leaders. Um, and you know what I've learned over the time as well is that the more you can, the more leaders that you or the more players that you can have in the team that could potentially be leaders, the better the team's going to be. And I think from a, a, even from my captaincy point of view, so I was sole captain for two years, two years? Two years sole captain and then, um, uh, and then Dane and Luke Parker joined me for the next three or four years. Um, Which historically the Sydney Swans have have had co-captains pretty much right the way through. and again, in putting the ego to the side, number one, it made us better as a, as a leadership group. Number two, it took a lot of pressure off me just personally um, as, a, as, a, as a captain and it spread that load. And uh, number three, again, it made me realise how, you know, well, geez, Dane's really good at this, Luke's really good at this and, I'm, and together we, we complement each other pretty well. Um, so from, and from a team perspective, I think it, 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 uh, it just brought everyone up a level. So by them coming on board and, 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 and helping me, it made me better, it made them better, it made other leaders within the team better and made us better as a team. Which has put you in a good position now, isn't it? Because you have a number of leaders that have come through. Yeah, yeah, well, it's, it's still happening now, even, um, 
you know, I'm not captain this year. Uh, that was decided by, you know, in conversations with John Longmire, the coach, um, that it was time for it to pass the baton on. And that's something that's, you know, again, always in our, the back of our mind. It's, you're given the baton, you run with it, you do, do what you can and try and make the place as, as good as possible and leave it in, a, in, you know, in better than it was when you arrived. Try and, try and do that and then you pass the baton on. And for a leadership point of view and captaincy point of view, that was my time end of last year uh, to pass that on to Kellen Mills who, you know, you, you, you're watching him and you're, you're seeing the qualities that he um, uh, shows and develops and, and you just go and you see the impact and, and influence that he has on the team and the rest of the playing group. And you just go, well, you know, it's, it's time. You can tell that it's his time to, to take that and it's, it's been really good. Wow. We've taken up a lot of your time, so I, I want to maybe just finish on one thing, if that's OK. Yeah, I feel like I'm just scratching the surface here. I know. Uh, we might, if it's, you're open to it, even do a part two one day and, <laughs> uh, and I'll bring you back, if that's OK. We, we'll keep pushing through this. But I, I remember from a conversation you, you sort of talked about with me, your first season as captain, if I've got the season right. Yep. And it all went perfectly, plain sailing, just won every game from the beginning. Is that right? Yeah, won every game from round seven. Um, yeah, no, we... we we lost our first six games. So we came, well, it was a, off the back of a grand final loss too in 2016. Um, and uh, yeah, I think there was a fair bit of emotional fatigue after, after that It's with a lot of our players. But um, yeah, I, I was uh, handed the captaincy again by Jared and Kieran who were still playing, part, part of the, you know, passing the baton on. Um, got off to a horrific start being zero and six uh, and yeah no no team I think in the history of the game had come back from zero and five to make finals and we were zero and six and it sort of looked so I'm just imagining though you as a leader you've gone from being in the top two teams in the competition right so you lost the grand final so think of you as you know one of the best that exist you now take over as captain and you're none from six and no one's ever made the semis or won the premiership after 0-6. Yeah. How are you feeling as captain right now? Oh, pretty small. Yeah. Um, no, nah, yeah, again, uh, it was a tough time, but I was fortunate, again, with the support of the footy club, you know, friends and family, all that. Um, but, again, I think upon reflection is, is there was a few things that, you know, certainly having lost the grand final the year before, you know, my focus was when we get back to the grand final. Yep. On where like that, I'm thinking about that already at the start of preseason. I'm thinking grand final. How we're getting back to the grand final, and we're not losing the next one because we're going to do this, 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 this. And my 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 mind, I think of the, the team was so far ahead in that space. You forget about we we took for granted the little things that we did day to day that made us a good team. Yeah. And uh, and it wasn't it wasn't a huge adjustment. It wasn't like we changed everything. Like there was times where you know after the third one where you you might mix it up a little bit. Uh, but inevitably, what it came down to is okay. Let's just strip it right back. What's our trademark? What do we want to be known as? Hard, discipline, united. What does that look like? Let's take the result out out of it. You know. Let's judge each other on on just this week to week, and let's get after the opposition and and um, 
support each other through through that time. And uh, yeah, again, it was really important as well. You know, I, I think one thing that I, I certainly didn't do was pass any blame or point any fingers or you know throw my hands up in the air and go, oh, this is too hard. I was, I was proud of the fact that I could, you know, just stuck at it. And as a team um, and a leadership group, you know, the guys, yeah, and John Lomai, the, the confidence uh, and support and the coaching staff uh, instilled in the team through that time. Because we're all going through the same thing. Everyone's got the same uh, doubts and frustrations and things, you, you know, it's my fault, it's my, it's, what am I doing wrong? Yeah. Um, and to be able to sort of air that as well and come together, okay, what's made us a good side over many years? Let's just strip it right back and keep it pretty simple and let's just focus on that. And then we just, that probably happened two weeks out from from when we won our first game. Okay. But it was just that, okay, let's bang, we're doing that, let's do it again. Let's just focus on the basics, do extras. And we, once we won our first game, it was just, I remember that, that feeling so fatigued and tired, exhausted, yeah. but relieved. Yeah. And then it just, yeah, we won our next 13 so, of the next 15 games. So you won 13 of the next 15 and actually made it to the semis? Yeah, uh, yep. Yeah. Now, I, I want to just take this away. I find this really fascinating uh, because having done this for a while now and working with, with groups, the amount of times that, you know, groups come up with values or come with standards or we come up with, you know, get away in February and we go away and we come back. But I just love how you came back to it. And it was hard, disciplined. United. United. And you come back to the values, you come back to the standards and you're saying, well, are we playing to those? Are we, are we living these? Are we breathing them? And often when you go through a slump, I think we want to come up with something new as opposed to, are we just living what we set out to? Correct. Are we actually doing what we said we're meant to be doing day to day? That idea of, you know, they talk about it, rituals or, or, or habits, you know, th th those aspects there. And I'm a, I'm a big believer in those, but I think you take it to such a level that we can all just learn to just to simplify it and just come back to those aspects and are we living them and, and if we're not. And the second thing is we, we've got a few companies that, you know, they've, they've got big targets that they're trying to hit and they get to the end of the financial year or they get to the end of the calendar year and they hit their target and then the next quarter is terrible because yeah. they're fatigued yep. and they forget the fact that they start at $1 the next yeah, week. Yeah, yeah, it's and, hard. And, and so it's that idea of mentally getting fatigued because, you, you know, you've just gone from the, the glory of being in a grand final, the agony of losing it, to then round one. You've yeah. got to play another game of footy yeah. and you've got to win 15 more games to get into a semi-final to then get the chance to play in the next one and, and so on. And I think it's, it's again, you can't, hit a, an annual target in one week just like you can't win a premiership in one week mm. and so that idea of and, and you know if, if you're watching this and you're not taking from it that idea of just what are our standards and how do we live and breathe them um, then I haven't done my job and I'm, I'm making sure I've let you speak enough because for me I want to change some stuff that we're doing internally but also you know pick up the phone this afternoon and speak to a bunch of my clients and talk about that idea of how do they come back to the real living and breathing of the basics of what they do the fundamentals of what they stand for yeah absolutely and the, and the, and the, and and the allocating time for reflection and 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 revision and review of 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 your processes of how everyone's going um, that's certainly something that you know and we have we have help with leading teams the, the you know, I think uh, um, they were the a uh, company that came on board that helped uh, provide the, the facilitation of those 
discussions early days and they've they've been with us a long time um, but yeah even even now there'd be times go by and someone would go well who's you know how's let's have a look at the list and how's everyone going have we checked in with each other recently yeah. um, oh no we haven't no thanks you know so yeah. that's where it becomes that's what it's it's easy but it's hard because you you yourself you're in the mud you're going 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 you're playing you're re reflecting on your game you're reviewing you're trying to get better so that ability just to uh, you know put aside time and put it in the calendar and go well we're just gonna how how did we go last week how did we go last month i reckon it's easy to do once it's yeah. easy to do every now and again yeah it's that ritual nature of doing it all the time yeah. with everything else that's going on. Everything else yeah, it gets clouded and it's an easy thing to drop off. Yeah. Those extra few phone calls, those extra few check-ins, the putting time aside to review, it's easy to not do. Yeah. And just, especially if you're winning, yeah. right? To say, well, everything's going okay. Yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. but obviously it's, it's, it's then again, those little bits get missed and then suddenly you're losing before you know it. Yeah. And, it, and then, I mean, I've, I've just thought of an example that's come to hit my mind now. It's probably completely... Uh, bit left of left of field but you know just that uh that ability to reflect on on and have the the standards that you want to set so for example that if a player's not playing well he's had a few poor weeks and you go and go well is he is he training hard yes is he uh doing his extras yes uh so there's nothing like there's nothing on a process point of view that we, that he's not doing. So it's not about being hard on this place. Like, mate, you know, you're going all right. You're doing everything well, you know, it'll turn. And just acknowledging that rather than, there are some cases where he's just been floating through training. Yeah. He's probably, you know, I haven't seen him do extras. Then it's like, mate, you know, this is what we need to see from you. If you're doing that, we'll take the result out of it. But if you're doing that, at least you're showing us that you care and you, you, you want to improve. I love that. Um... I'm going to go really left center with an example, but many years ago I ran a direct sales team and one of my top salespeople, like, he just went from a really good consistent salesperson to he just couldn't make a sale. And I remember going and watching him on observation and we're selling in people's homes and I, and I went and watched him and he was doing everything right except he was, he'd lost confidence, so he yeah. was expecting a no. And I remember walking out and I said, oh, it's just a, it's a mental thing. And he says, no, it's got to be more than that. There's got to be something. Yeah. And I said, well, there is. I just didn't want to bring it up. And I said, yeah, your sleeves are, are rolled up. And I said, it looks like you're not taking this seriously. And I think if you just went in with a crisp shirt tomorrow, if I'm honest with you, it'll make the difference in the world, the difference in the world with you. And he put a Chris shirt on and he went in and he sold it oh, and it wasn't go. a problem. And I completely made that up. It was, his, yeah. I could tell as I was telling him it was a mental thing and it was yeah. a confidence, it wasn't enough for him. So I thought yeah, I'll come right. up with something. Yeah, and it yeah. was just, he needed to have confidence going in that he could still make it work. Yeah. Uh, yeah, we're talking about a guy who's sold well for years and suddenly had two or three bad weeks, but, but he'd lost that confidence piece. And I think, um, Again, it's, it's caring enough to, to want to fix it. As you said, it's taking some kind of systematic approach to it as well. Yeah, and yeah. then also, and you talk to this a bit, is, is the, the person, the human. Yeah. Like what's going on for them yep. that's actually halting performance. Yes. Right? So they're turning up for training, they're doing extras, but maybe they're just not as intense when they're there. Yeah, or maybe they've got something else going on exactly. outside of football. And that's, again, that's part of the, the chicken in. How's, how's life? What's going on, you know? And that's something that I think... Yeah, certainly myself, 
uh, as a team, you can you can just let slip because you're, you're so focused on the week to week um, ins and outs of trying to perform. Okay, well. I think if you're open to it, I want to bring you back and, and talk even further in this, and we might just stick with leadership and teams if that's okay. But if I can think about, uh, if you could throw a couple of takeouts, you know, from this, if, if you, you know, whether you're running a sporting organisation, a sporting team, whether you're running a corporate team, whether you're running a small business, just from a team and a leadership perspective, what's a couple of things you'd say, this is where you should start? Uh, the first thing, I don't know why, but the first thing that comes to mind uh, when you when you say that is weight of numbers. So that's a big thing that we throw in. W O N uh, weight of numbers. I mean, if you got more people in the organisation or in the team that are willing to lead and row the boat, the better you're going to be. Yeah. Uh, so don't be yeah, don't be afraid of that. Um, trying to bring other people up, uh, sit along alongside. Um, that would be the, the number one weight of numbers. Uh, what else? Um, I, I like that idea of, you know, you call it the trademark, but it, it's whether it's standards or something like this, like have, have an anchor to keep coming back to. Yes, yeah, absolutely. And for us, that's, you know, I mean, the weight of numbers is, I guess, secondary to the, the, that, the trademark because yeah. you, need, you need that first and then you need everyone living and breathing it. So having that, that, that trademark or the set of values that you, that you want the organisation to live by um, and uh, keeping it simple, yeah. uh, those values. Something that you can just, it's not a matter of who's got more skill or yeah. who's smarter, but who's got the willingness to do it. And it just comes down to willingness, whether it's... Yeah. Um, well, you say, you say simple, and I know that they evolve and change the, you know, those, yeah. that trademark, but... When you say uh, hard, discipline, united, yeah. it's hard not to know what you're thinking and talking about. Yeah. Like you can explain hard to me, but I, but I'm I'm imagining it's it's on the field, it's every contest, it's well, every training session, yeah. it's, it's it's everything you're doing, it's 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 at a level of intensity or hardness that goes to it, a competitive part to it, right? Yeah. Like it, it it's the simplicity of the word talks to it. It says volumes, doesn't it? Yeah. Yes. I mean, well, for me, for me, it does because it's been the way it has been for the last thirteen years. Um, again, it's changed, it's developed. There's been sensors that have effectively, it's pretty much been the same. But as different groups have come on, and it's 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 a little bit different now. It's uh, uh, ruthless, selfless, united, um, and but again, the actions that underpin it are something that aren't necessarily related, they are related to game day, but they're related to how you approach your career. So, you know, I'm relentless in everything I do, meaning you're just going 100%. So when I started, it was hard discipline. You know, hard hard was 100% effort, 100% of the time. Okay. Now, whether that's possible or not, I I don't think so. Yeah, yeah. But uh, it's that that just mindset of going, well, okay, I'm going to do this... um, session here but I'm going to have it I'm going to I'm going to have a crack you know yeah. I'm going to I'm going to give it everything because that's what we do um, I remember setting an ideal week for a group once like this is what a week should look like and I remember a couple of experienced people said that'd be virtually impossible to be able to do it and I said that's the point yeah. like we're actually aiming for for Nirvana and then if we if we miss we're, we're still having great weeks you know you exactly. don't have the ideal down here Correct. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and so I, I like that idea of um, you know 100% hard 100% of the time 
but we know it's not possible to be 100% yeah. all the time, but, but that's what we're striving for. It's, again, that's, that intent, right? Yes. Yeah. So, so we have an idea of, of, of have a simple trademark that you can anchor to, live and breathe it every day. I love the, the weight of numbers when you talk about that idea of don't be afraid of having more leaders. The other bit that you touched on, which I think is, is, is maybe the good finisher, is that idea of prioritise time to review. Absolutely. Right. Prioritise time to review and then be able to uh, um, reward the good, the good behaviours yeah. and, and put that up in lights in front of the whole organisation, however you do it, and, and keep an eye out for, for the opposite. I love it. Josh, I've enjoyed that. Thank Johnny, you so much. Thank you.